0: It's the Brexit Breakdown Podcast from the UK in a changing Europe. Hello and welcome to another Brexit Breakdown Podcast. I'm James Miller, author, journalist, man on a mission to find out more about Brexit. And on this episode, I was joined by Polly McKenzie, Chief executive of the Demos think tank and former Lib Dem sort of chief spad. Um, she used to work in number 10 when Nick Clegg was deputy prime minister um, just a few short years ago. Seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Probably does to her as well. And we were joined by Annan Menon, director of the UK Changing Europe and Inveterate Coffer. Uh, Yes, he does a massive cough in this podcast again. I don't know why he always coughs in the podcast, but he does. Uh, You know, if you want to make this an even more exciting listen, then why not note down now your prediction for what time Anand is going to cough over the guest talking. Uh, This chat is about 30 minutes long, so write down what minute you think it'll appear. If somehow you can prove that you got it right, send me your answer and I will send you one of the new Brexit breakdown mugs. But frankly, you don't need to make this listen any more exciting because uh, it's an interesting ramble chat taking in the Lib Dems, the state of politics, what's going to happen next, what gives Anand Menon nightmares. And uh, I started by asking Polly to explain exactly what is Demos. Here we go.
1: Demos is about people. Um, it's a Greek word which means people, but not just people, but a people, the idea of there being a kind of a cohesive whole of people. And so that, I like to think of that as being our mission in this time of kind of slightly frightening alienation and polarisation is asking the question as how you might rebuild a sense of a unified demos or a people that can come together.
0: Well, good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) I (laughs) worked for the Liberal Democrats.
1: (laughs) For twelve years, I am like not a stranger to hard work that might not necessarily pay dividends.
0: <laughs> Fair enough, but um, that does seem a particularly big ask in the current climate, right? Things are particularly fractured, yeah. So your job is particularly big.
1: Yeah, but particularly important. You know, I think I think polarisation is really easy to to play into, uh, and both the the political economics and also the literal economics of the kind of the social media platforms all drive us towards polarization and so i think one of the great challenges of our age really is the question of rebuilding community and that depolarization project i'm not the only person working on that or thinking about that of course but it seems to me that 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 should be the central mission of demos if it's gonna exist for another 25 years
2: i mean i know you don't work for the Lib Dems now no. But I'm going to blame you for them. Go ahead. And say, isn't what they're doing exactly the wrong way of going about this? Which is banging on at one extreme of the Brexit debate. It strikes me as, I mean, it might achieve many things, but depolarisation, absolutely not.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Which then goes back to my point that the the sort of a sensible thing for any individual politician to do at mm. the moment is to double down on yeah. on extremism, polarisation, to support your in tribe against against the rest. And we know that the attempts to, you know, cobble together a deal, which was basically a compromise, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, doesn't have popular support. Mm. But you can't hold a country together like that forever, when if even if you just have 50% think one thing and 50% think the other, and the objective is to get to 50.01% and then crush the saboteurs, destroy the opposition, because that in the end kills democracy. Democracy requires the consent of the losers. And so we just need a different approach, I think.
2: Can I just challenge you on? I mean, just out of interest, in a way, you hear this—you know—the country can't hold together. Does it matter if we're profoundly divided? I mean, we just continue being profoundly divided. I mean, I remember the nineteen eighty? We're profoundly divided. The country didn't fall apart. It was, you know.
0: Well, no, we weren't. You—you've been watching. You—you recommended the Thatcher program in the last podcast. which is very, very good. And And you saw those majorities that Mrs. Thatcher was clocking up. We weren't divided. To the
2: idea that. This is this is a form of polarisation like nothing we've ever seen before. The polarisation of the 1980s was very, very extreme. I'm not saying it was equal, 50-50, exactly. no, that's but the, the polarisation was deep.
1: I think that's right, but one of the most successful governments we've had in my lifetime is uh, the Blair government mm-hmm. uh, from ninety seven, which sought to find a reconciliation between mm-hmm. those two poles. And so if the poles were of left and right, and then the third way, which Clinton and Blair sort of developed... Um, uh, or, or put into practice was a way of reconciling those two poles uh, in a single political project. It seems to me that if now this is much more complicated than just open and closed, um, but nevertheless it's easy to kind of understand what we mean that that the liberal versus um, conservative small C mm. uh, poles that that absolutely are being being accentuated in a culture war. The next great government will not be one that belongs to either of those polls. The next great government will be one that finds a reconciliation. And you're right that the Liberal Democrats are not pursuing that as their central goal. But I don't work for them. I work for Demos. And if we have a role, it's... To, it's to be part of the beginnings of an intellectual journey to what, it's not the third way, or the fourth way, or the fifth, I, I don't know what way it is, but it's it's a, a, towards reconciliation.
2: Is the values divide harder to bridge than the traditional left-right divide? Because in a sense, what the third way was was a clever way of splitting left and right and, and, and sort of building bridges between them. I, I, I just wonder whether the values divide is as easy to do that with.
1: I think it's challenging, but... Uh, if you look, for example, at some of the uh, the, the way the um, the battle was broadly won for gay marriage, for example, it was done by trying to claim for gay people the values of family and community mm-hmm. that were traditionally considered to belong to people who didn't like gay people, and and so once you find that way of of cloaking something quite radical in the language of conservatism and and family values you find that you can bring a huge number of people together now that's obviously just one issue but i think that the the trick for us is to find ways to uh, when it comes to this you know the the community the, the the somewheres and the anywheres uh, divide that uh, you know one of my predecessors at um at demos david goodhart has talked about is that Actually, there, there is a huge kind of economic value to globalisation and internationalism and the idea that, that capital and labour ought to be able to flow across borders. Mm. But it does seem to have lost something uh, that matters to people about connection with place and with community. So how do you bring those two people together? And I think it is possible if you find a different language and you try and bring people together, because actually you talk to liberals, turns out that they also drop their kids at the school and care about... Um, the mess in their street, or, or or whatever it might be. So I feel like uh, that th- there is a way. I haven't necessarily found it yet. If 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 it was easy, perhaps I would be done. But,
0: um, Do they stop drop their kids at the school? Don't um, the liberals drop their kids at different schools? They drop their kids at schools in Lambeth, where everyone voted Remain, and the Conservatives with a small C drop their kids at. Uh, where's that place, Boston in Lincolnshire, because <laughs> uh, that's where all that's like where all the Brexiteers come from. That's quite um, a commute from London. Isn't it? Uh, you know, it is, isn't, it is. But, you know, isn't, there, isn't there a point there that people aren't mixing on the school gate or anywhere else quite so much?
1: Yeah, so one of, the, one of my uh, colleagues at Demos um, thinks we should do a massive programme of town twinning uh, within the UK.
0: Oh, my God, this sounds uh, like either uh, so uh, the best or f- possibly the I've worst idea ever. But actually, you know, everyone's
2: moaning on about uh, Erasmus. And we're going to lose Erasmus. I mean, if you're going to send kids away for a year, send kids from London to bloody Hull for a year.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, don't they do that already? And go to university there? Uh, This would be different. I know quite a lot of people
0: went to Hull University. They all said it was Hull. I mean, Hull's a great place. (laughs) I've never been. I'm still still due. Eloise Todd's. I'm supposed to have a tizer with her. I owe her a tizer. remember she was on... I was
2: in Hull the same day as her, and we didn't go to Spiders Nightclub. She was on an episode ages ago, wasn't she?
0: And we bet whether we'd leave on the 29th of March, and to be fair, she won the bet. Um, so I owe her a tither in Hull. I've managed
2: to put off that, yeah. But anyway, yeah, um, I do sorry. think people should visit other parts of this country, and we need to make that happen, because it will be interesting and useful.
1: Exactly, So there's and then there's different levels to this, right? First of all, there's the, the, the very local, place-based community building, and there's initiatives around that, but uh, there is, I think, a, a risk of um, of polarisation um, and, and atomisation within uh, little communities. One of the things that... Um, I don't think is sustainable in our increasingly religiously diverse country is to have religious education. The idea of religious segregation in our schools mm. uh, is problematic. I think uh, my daughter was separated from her best friend from nursery because her best friend from nursery was Catholic and my daughter wasn't. And that sense that there's the Catholic school on one side of the road and the... Yeah, th- the Catholic
0: the... school at the end of my road.
1: That and my children
0: I... can't go to it. And this is nothing against Catholics. There's nothing against Catholics. Apart from the ones that park across my drive every morning. <laughs> they're very bad my people. That's not because Catholic. they're Catholic. I like Catholics. Of my best friends because things. they're bad parking people. But it's, it's, yeah, take it's your point.
1: Then going back to Anand's point about travelling to different places, going to different places. You know, in Japan they have this thing called a hometown tax, which is deeply flawed and open to corruption in lots of ways. Nevertheless, a really interesting idea that people who leave a small town and go into the big city to make money can continue to pay some of their taxes back to the place that they're oh, from cool. um, uh, and this idea that you're still part of an old uh, where you're from even if you've moved to London or to Manchester or whatever what it is it's interesting
2: because I mean one of the things I, I'm really keen on us thinking about here is you know the sort of US idea of the state universities mm. the sort of public universities is you know give fee waivers to people who go to local universities and stay and work there for three or four years so, okay if you do that We'll no. cut your fee right. or something like that. What okay. is this,
0: US universities? I don't need to explain this for
2: the listeners. Well, for US universities, if you're from in-state, your fee is either totally waived or is tiny. If you're out of state, the fee can be very, very high. So the best universities in the US are uh, public universities. But if you're out of state, the fee is very, very high. And I think that sort of thing, which is a way of keeping people local, avoiding that sort of brain drain phenomenon, are things worth looking at here. Yeah, well,
0: hang on, this is nonsense. What do you mean talking about people keeping people
2: local? You want people to go out and experience the world, don't you? You don't want all the all the people with the with the highest levels of education from a certain place to leave and go to London.
0: But you need them to go out and experience the world and yeah, true. possibly come actually, home. I don't know. But, I, you I want to seems... give them,
2: but it would be nice to give them an incentive to stay and make lives and have careers nearer where they grew up. Hmm. Keep I, talent there. I,
1: I, but this is complicated and it's it's right that it's complicated because uh, if everybody with uh, with a, with good A-levels leaves a small town or a village, um, you know, like where I grew up, and moves to London or Manchester or Birmingham, then those places are denuded. It's asset-stripping of communities, just in the same way as what we do uh, often is um, strip some of the uh, most clever and creative people out of develop- the developing world and bring them to the UK, uh, leaving those countries asset-stripped too. On the other hand... You don't want to deny people the opportunity and say to me, for example, you did your A-levels Stakele. in Bilth Wells in rural Wales. You therefore have to make your entire career in farming and tourism, even though you're rubbish at both of those. That clearly doesn't work either. So the question is, how do you find yeah. a way for people to, um, to retain a connection, to feel uh, a sense of place, to give back to the place that they're from and, and sometimes go back? But also have the have opportunities. But then, you know, you also add in questions about how do you make sure there's great broadband access and also the infrastructure of trains. Mm. Because, you know, if you grew up in uh, rural Wales, there is literally no way to even commute to Cardiff.
0: Yeah, you don't need a train if you're not going to be leaving your, your hometown, buses. are you? But or there's a question.
1: Bus. But how, how do you... You need
0: less trains and then people would have to stay where they were brought up, wouldn't they? That's the answer. No. OK, well, in terms of people leaving their, their hometowns and all the rest of it, mm. the Brexit connection here is what... That people leave their locality and the left behind are left behind not just physically, but in terms of policy, in terms of that, not having the buses and trains that they need and all the rest of it. And they get hacked off and they get angry. And that feeds the Brexit vote. Is that what we're saying? There's more to the Brexit vote than just anger. Uh,
1: There is. And um, there's... There are parts, obviously, of the Brexit vote which are about people and places that are left behind um, mm. by a set of decisions that are made without them and by people who are not of them or or not any more of them. But, of course, there's there's lots more to it than that. There's plenty of affluent people in the mm. South East who've never been left behind in their lives who are also ardent Brexiteers. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, Again, lots of farmers who are ardent brexiteers because they don't like the way the European union mm. uh, deals with agricultural subsidies. I mean, the brexit
2: coalition isn't a class coalition no it's a it's an education coalition if it's anything it's you know it's ultimately about people with degrees and people without degrees is a far better way of predicting it than so someone who might be a you know a manager in a company pretty affluent might have paid off their mortgage but didn't have a degree could well be a brexiter so classes isn't what you look at for no, and
1: and what's Troubling is that sometimes people on the Remain side of the argument use that to say that the Brexit vote is a stupid people vote, hmm. uh, or just or, or not necessarily hmm. stupid, but you haven't learned enough to understand that Brexit's a terrible idea. But and, and and I and I don't think that's the case. It's it's much more that our current system works works much more successfully for those with degrees than those without degrees. And also the fact that because we have massively increased the number of people who go to university, having a degree or not is also something of a proxy for age. And we know that age is another strong predictor for Brexit.
2: Hi, Arlen here. Sorry to butt in, but I just wanted to say, if you like this podcast, which I'm sure you do, then please rate it wherever you get your podcasts from. You'll be doing a public service because it makes it easier for others to find us. While you're at it, go to our website, www.ukandeu.ac.uk and sign up for our fantastic newsletter. Not only the latest on Brexit, but the latest on the best football team in the world. Every two weeks, free, in your inbox. Do it now.
0: Demos in general is about opportunities, not problems. So what are the opportunities from Brexit?
1: It's opportunities and everything, aren't there? I mean, at the moment, it feels like uh, Brexit is being navigated by a set of political leaders who are more interested in their self-interest than the country's.
0: That is weird, right? Today, they're all arguing over when to have an election, because if you have an election soon, then that will just let Jeremy Corbyn into number ten. That's what don't Jeremy have Hunt confidence says. Confidence that they'll win is well, exactly. extraordinary. To, to say that so nakedly, to go, the country wants this guy, so we mustn't let him in. That's just, like, hmm. the old uh, hmm. mind blown. Well, thing It's also again. not
1: clearly true because Jeremy hmm. Corbyn isn't doing very well in the polls either. And as Jeremy Corbyn continues to obfuscate about his Brexit position, um, lots of those Remainer young groups of people are turning away from him, it seems. And it's extraordinary that after young people turned away in their millions from young, from the Liberal Democrats because of tuition fees, they're now in some polls, out-polling the Labour Party, um, yeah. the Lib Dems, with young people.
2: I mean, the fact is, the electorate is so volatile. Yeah. One of the things not that it. means is that a huge number of MPs don't want an election because yeah. no one feels safe and they're worried about losing their jobs.
1: But what's interesting is that the, the Labour Party, then, is putting all of those MPs up for yeah. reselection, not trying to build a sense of safety and solidarity and community within the party, uh, and it's actually eating away at their sense of trying to behave in the interests of the party and, and be loyal because basically they all they all might be out of a job anyway.
2: And meanwhile, in Brecon, they've reselected the guy. <gasps> I mean, <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> it's, truly it's, meant. It's So self, Brecon is where I grew up. Right, so. Don't <laughs> start me on this. I mean, that is that is straight up outrageous, right? If the if the flipping expenses scandal caused everything, we're told, right? Oh, it's a huge problem. This is a bona fide, nailed down, convicted expenses fraud man, and they're putting him up for election? I mean, um, that is far bigger to me. That is bigger than anything else that's going on at the There's a lot moment. of
2: mill about politics at the moment, isn't there? The kind of screw you to everyone else.
0: Surely the opportunity from Brexit is that essentially everything's been levelled to some extent, and we can build a better politics. Is, that not, is there not an opportunity for that to come out of all this?
1: I, I struggle because I want to stop myself from indulging in wishful thinking. The 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 two parties, Labour and the Conservatives, no longer successfully reflect the main divides in our political conversation. I don't think they're fit for purpose. And I want to believe that there is an upside uh, to Brexit, which is that basically their grip on the political system will be upended. Um, and I, I just worry that I'm telling myself because I, that that will happen because I want it to happen. You've got How police... do you
2: say that after 2017, when they got 82% of the national vote?
1: Well, exactly. Um, it,
2: it, I mean, they represent something, clearly, that people identify with. I'm not, I'm not I, This isn't about the fit-for-purpose bit, bit, bit yeah. degree of sympathy with that, but... It's 2019 now, though, Anna. It's not 2017 anymore. No-one expected that to happen in 2017. I mean, people were talking about the end of the two-party politics. They were starting in 2010, they went on in 2015, two-party politics were turning into Italy, oh my God. Then all of a sudden, what happens in 2017, you get this enormous response for the big two parties so what i'm saying is i'm not saying yeah, this yeah. will happen again i'm just saying we don't know it won't
1: well yeah because I, I used to write speeches uh for the lib dems in which we talked about the the major trend in british politics since the hmm. 1950s is the two big parties getting less and less in the vote and it's eventually this whole thing will snap and there will be multi-party politics and i wrote the speeches loads and loads of times and then you get to 2017 you go oh shit oh, i was politics. completely wrong actually the two parties are back um,
2: um, but the voters are still volatile. So, but
1: the voters are incredibly volatile, and what, what certainly has changed is that those tribal allegiances of yeah. people to their party seem to have disintegrated, and even that single act of having gone in the European elections and ticked the box for the Brexit party or ticked the box for the Liberal Democrats for the first time or or for the Greens helps to unpick the tribal allegiances. a so sort of gateway
2: drug argument, isn't yeah. it? Yeah,
1: and um, I, I think there's plenty of kind of theoretical evidence to suggest yeah. that that might, that, that yeah. might really help um break that system apart. But fund- in a first past the post system, the the gravitational pull of the two big parties will hold and hold and hold until that moment where it's no longer success- it's no longer sensible to be part of them, in which case hmm. it will snap completely. And and the question is do you get to that point where it's, it just snaps and their hold on power disintegrates? It won't be it won't be subtle or slow. It will either happen completely or not at all.
0: Who is more likely to be Prime Minister this time next year? Ed Davey, Joe Swinson or Nigel Farage?
2: None of them will be. No, I None said who's
0: more likely. That's not an answer to the question. Equal is it? zero. Really? Yeah. Zero? Hmm. you, you know, You're wrong. Um, do you agree with him?
1: I've given up ruling things out as beyond the realms of possibility. So That's
0: a podcast, go on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but you I, shouldn't rule it out because it could happen. I think I think Nigel Farage is more <laughs> likely than Joe Swinson. I'd agree with Anand that the chances are pretty low, but um, but I can imagine Nigel
0: Farage being in a cabinet. Yes, exactly. Is a prime minister? He, well, I know, but he, I, well, so there's <laughs> okay. a chance of him being prime minister then. If he's in the cabinet, I do think he any could of be, them prime, will be prime, minister prime minister in the cabinet, couldn't he? Well, neither do I. But that wasn't the point. The question. Ken is- Clark. Well, all right. Political. Put him in the mix. What you reckon? He, more chance of Ken Clark being yeah, prime minister put, than any of Bring down the government on, uh, you know,
1: uh, and install a temporary government to, I don't know, sort out this. Yeah, mess but it won't by last till.
2: Yeah, I think they'll, it'll last long enough to ask for an extension. <laughs> <And>
0: then, <laughs> oh man! Um, six
1: months until the extension's over to get yeah, some. Maybe a referendum. He might still be clinging on on the, you know, all right, 18th of January.
0: Given politics is a bit mad at the moment how important are think tanks? You know think tanks are sort of uh, oases of actual thinking about policies and sort of rational thinking
1: There are some think tanks which are trying to do lots of thinking but I just want to question your word rational because we have to get beyond the technocratic era of policy making and that sounds like oh I hate experts too and I don't hate experts but there's there's something about this process whereby people at the top decide what is best for people and assume that they will be grateful because they will understand that their lives are marginally better than the counterfactual in which the policy that they didn't like was not implemented. It it, it just doesn't work. You have to... We (laughs) disagree. You have to involve people in the process even if they might make what an economist would consider to be the wrong decisions.
2: Yeah, and on top of that, what you can't do is pretend there is only one right answer, anyone suggesting an alternative. You know, it's like when Blair said, if you want to stop globalisation, it's like stopping autumn coming after summer or whatever he said. It's like, no, it's not. These are human decisions. You can unpick anything you want. Stop making it sound like the experts know best and there is no, you know, there is no alternative politics driven by experts has been proven not to work. And this isn't to say... We don't need experts. It's to say we need to think carefully about process and inclusion when doing policy. Exactly. So, and and,
1: and so at the process answer to what demos is for is that we want to do policy making in a different way that is much more participatory at a large scale. We have technology which an- analyzes uh, people's uh, natural language um, when the, in written form, which we've started with kind of Twitter and public forums, and we're going to start to build deliberative online spaces where people can discuss and engage in the process
2: because if you don't like below the line just abuse each other uh
1: no (laughs) like the anti-twitter so there's i mean there's a whole range of technologies that are exploring ways to use ai basically to to encourage consensus in the way that platforms like twitter encourage okay uh consensus i don't Um,
2: understand that all i understand about ai is loads of people tell me it's very racist
1: Uh,
0: some of it is is robots are racist and sexist Um, basically uh, and the Tories want them to be in charge of the Northern Ireland uh, border so that's going to work work. out well the Tories um, Tories. are in government it's them that want to put the magic robots on on the border (laughs) isn't it? magic racist robots (laughs) it
1: sounds like a great idea
0: it sounds like a great band they're probably on at Glastonbury aren't they the magic racist (laughs) robots Um, that's a young person's person's reference go on because all the young people go to Glastonbury don't they anyway that's the point right
1: let's change the process of policy making you know where I come from Wales this they voted Brexit and all of the Remainers say but we, the European Union invested billions in improving your infrastructure don't get me started on this and and the people aren't grateful because, you know, you. We often find... I mean, Vox Pops, don't want to take them too seriously, but I've heard so many Vox Pops of people saying, but you didn't ask us what we wanted. And that's because transport and infrastructure decisions are made by economists who calculate the return on investment and they rank everything in a table.
2: So they do it in London.
1: Yeah, in London. <laughs> and then they draw a line once they've run out of money and they say the stuff that's above the line will do that. And we're never factoring in what people want and when those decisions are imposed upon people, even if through a public and participatory process they would actually have chosen the exact same thing, also, it doesn't have legitimacy.
2: That's true, but there's a, there's another question there as well, which is we're asking people to be grateful for getting handouts, whereas actually why don't we expect them to be angry at needing handouts? Oof. That's Oof. a good question. That
1: sounds a bit... But, which, you then get back to um, uh, endogenous growth theory and yeah. Gordon Brown, is how do you get these places to become self-sustaining and it it is it is really challenging um oh, yeah i
2: hate that self-sustaining it's gonna be flourishing self-sustaining sounds so minimalist right so, so i just well, let's just wind back three things that first
0: of all the idea that there is no alternative has, has has failed because we all live longer and we're all better off so maybe maybe it's not failed actually in a, in a bigger sense Secondly, we're talking about devolution. I don't know. Anybody know any good TED Talks that talk about devolution that have been Wicked the Cup? Anybody? No, I've never seen them. Anybody my, seen never any never of them
2: recently? <laughs> Actually, no? my recommendation is a TED Talk. Oh, we're one. coming back. One. Oh, no.
0: Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. Right, you've done a TED Talk, so haven't you? A TED Talk. Oh, it's the uh, scariest thing uh, in the about world about ever. All devolution and stuff, and people should look I it up, right? Excellent. Oh, thank you. But it, um, seriously,
2: I I don't get nervous about things. I had nightmares for 10 minutes. Really? Um, <laughs> about forgetting about was, was, it. was out there and just going blank. And there was a voice in the back of my head as I stood there that kept saying, "You don't know what comes next, do you?" <laughs> and it was just like.
1: It was you'd do an Ed Miliband and forget yeah. the, forget the forget bit about the, the economy.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 He was very really wound up about it. Uh, and um, haven't we come back to here Reed, then that Brexit is an opportunity to to start again to some extent to look at these big political issues and think stop. them slash Actually, rethink
2: that's a, them. That's a guest answer.
0: Well, no, you're, you've got expert. You've done a TED talk, so you know you're you're an expert. You're at you're, you're on the internet now. so... I'm out of the peeps now. Yeah, because all the people watch TED talks. Yeah, it,
1: I think the the problem is that yes, Brexit might be an opportunity to rethink and do things differently, but we might be starting from you know ten percent below the waterline, and. It's all very well to look forward and say, in 30 years, everything will be better. But, you know, what about the intervening 30 years and the people whose lives will be shaped and suffered? And I'm not not relaxed about just saying, oh, there'll be opportunities, never mind the disaster.
2: But what, can I just say, what I would say, though, and I really genuinely believe this, is that one of the things that has come out of the referendum is the broadening of our debate about the things we should be thinking about and what we should be doing. I mean, that great think tank word, the Overton window, Mm. is now an enormous set of French doors.
0: Um, if we're 10% below the waterline, what's demos? Is it like a, a, a lifeboat for people to to pull us back <laughs> up? Is it a lilo? Iceberg. Um, is it an iceberg? Yeah, it could be.
1: No, I, I, I'm happy with that metaphor. What we're trying to... Uh, design and experiment with is a different model of participative policy making for all of the enormous challenges that are coming at us because whatever happens on brexit demographic change um, immigration climate change are uh, the way that technology is disrupting our economy our democracy and our society are vast and pose enormous questions for how you regulate and how you govern and our we're not keeping up with that. And it, you know, that's the thing that, that's most depressing about Brexit, for me, is not in fact the details of it, but the fact that we spent three years mostly talking about it whilst whilst the world just moves on. Good
0: for if, business. If mm. demos mm. is indeed an inflatable, life-saving device of some yeah. sort, because yeah. it's July and we're going into the summer holidays, mm. what would be your inflatable of choice if demos was an inflatable? Ooh... I've got a cart, a bunch of bananas, and a shark on hold yeah. <laughs> um, uh,
1: we have a sort of unicorn rubber ring. Oh, you've thing. got the
0: unicorn. They're very dangerous. You can get blown oh, really? out to sea, yeah. Wow. Oh, I listened to a whole Jeremy Not a swimming Vine. Listen to a whole Jeremy Vine about people My getting. My oldest
2: is 20, so I'm <laughs> leaving this to you too.
0: Well, they can still have a unicorn. They're all the way. All the millennials are into their unicorns and they're big inflatable unicorns and stuff. My children um, are
1: nowhere near courageous enough to like go beyond about 12 inches from the shore, so. It
0: was a. You'd be surprised to learn it was a stupid Jeremy Vine item about uh, people getting blown out to sea. you Jeremy Vine now. Come oh, I so like off Jeremy so, Vine until the cows come like, home. Well, it's no like no off no Jeremy way. Vine happily. But yes, I think I they
1: we reclaim the unicorn.
0: Right. Um, who funds you?
1: Uh, loads of people, actually. So about 60% of our funding comes from uh, corporate sponsorship, uh, about 40% from uh, trusts and foundations, and... Um, And basically every paper says who it individually was funded by. Uh, And then the aggregate of all of our donors is included in your
0: report. There you go. Got to ask it. All think tanks. And who said that? Let's play who said that. Should we play who said that? Who said that? Do you remember who said that? No. That's our new feature. Yeah, my, my memory. Who said this? There are people like us all over Europe who do not want to live... In a European empire of the 21st century.
1: Uh, Boris
0: Johnson.
2: No. He
1: said, said everything, so I'm just going to guess him for everything.
2: There's no clue to narrow this down. Daniel Hannan. No. Jeremy Corbyn.
0: Okay. Ah, you fell into the trap. It was a Lib Dem game. There's a Lib Dem guess who said it, Nigel Farage or Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, and that was one of Jeremy Corbyns. Um, the and Dems we'll are good at the old Twitter and stuff, aren't they? They're very good. I suppose
1: empire is the key word. Corbyn doesn't happen. like empires.
0: Um, he doesn't like Europe either, does he? Yeah. Um, and finally, let's finish with the recommendations.
2: What's it called, Anand? What's it called? What's this feature called? In the unlikely event that you have not found this podcast sufficiently enlightening.
1: In the unlikely event, this podcast has not enlightened you sufficiently.
2: The ever-growing list of
0: how to understand Brexit. Uh, have you actually got one, or do I need to give you some time to think no, of I have one? Got and one. And oh, gone, on and you can go first. I've got,
2: got one. one that links into what we were talking about earlier about experts and participation in making decisions. Andy Haldane did a TED talk last year. Andy Haldane of the Bank of England, in which he makes a rather eloquent argument for the fact that yes, we need expertise, but yes, there is also something to be said for the wisdom of crowds, and we need to find a way of combining them. Okay, Andy Haldane's TED Talk on yeah. the internet somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Andy, if you listen to this, you can reciprocate when you're a guest on here by recommending mine. <laughs> well, I've just plugged yours enough. Was,
0: was that not enough? have <laughs> got to get it in again.
1: So I'm going to make a strategic error by recommending something by somebody who is long since deceased.
0: No, that's fine. I mean, you okay. can't
1: reciprocate my mine. Mine
0: can't. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is. No.
1: no, so I want to recommend uh, North and South by Elizabeth Gaskell. Which uh, and you've got to read the book not the TV adaptation because the TV adaptation's not very good I think it's amazing because it's one of the earliest representations of the, the caricature of North and South that we have in this country and I think it's an important reminder that we have been both a divided nation and one that indulges in these caricatures of both North and South for such a long time and um, and, and we shouldn't necessarily believe everything that is said about people on the other side of that divide.
0: She used to be Mrs Gaskell, didn't she? Yeah. I don't, what was that all about? I don't think she's very good. They just always used to call... Used to I be prefer Jane Austen. Mrs Austin, Gaskell. But, uh, and Cranford beef, is... Beef, beef. Cranford's
1: really dreadful. But anyway, um, uh, I think there's something about the book. It's, 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 it's so absurd the way she caricatures the North and the South that you feel like it's a parody... And, and it's not and I think w- you have to remind yourself how
2: a lot old of that these about stereotypes these are. Yeah. yeah
0: that was fun. feminist there you go that was Anand's off the record but actually on the record view of that particular podcast he said it's fantastic uh, much like he coughs over the guest talking I talked over him saying it was fantastic. Uh, we were discussing feminism at the end of the podcast which happens quite a lot you'd be surprised. Um, he's right of course it was a good natured and largely well informed chat with a bit of uh, respectful disagreement. Basically we were modelling uh, the ideal new politics this is how politics should be done how discussions should be carried out right? Now I mentioned at the beginning that we've got new merch Brexit Breakdown Mugs Yes, you know you want one. The way to get hold of one of them is either to come on the podcast as a guest. So if you're a politician or an ambassador or an expert of some sort or a celebrity, particularly if you're Taylor Swift, please get in touch. Uh, Or you can get one in our competitions. Yeah, we're going to run loads of competitions this series. It's going to be competition central. Uh, And the first competition we started on the last podcast, Uh, After one of the guests chose 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover by Paul Simon as his recommendation for understanding Brexit, um, I asked you to send in rewritten lyrics for that song. Brexit related lyrics. Basically, send in 50 ways to leave the EU. To be honest, I probably should have thought of some of my own to give you an example. What is it? Slip out the jack, you know, when you need a new backstop, Bob. How would that work? Uh, Leave stop upsetting macron john i don't know you can do better than this basically send me in uh if you can do the whole song that'd be amazing just send me in some lyrics and we'll stitch them together into the whole song i might even have to sing it let's be honest uh if we get the whole whole song put together um and if they are good and i read them out on this podcast and i'll probably read all of them out let's be honest you get a mug um that's exciting isn't it but you need to know how to get in touch to do so. So uh, to get in touch, you can get in touch with the UK in a changing Europe via their Facebook page or their website, which is ukandeu.ac.uk or their Twitter feed, which is at UK and EU. Or you can try my Twitter feed, which is at Political Yeti. On my website, you'll find the entire list of recommendations from this series. And that is james-miller.com. Uh, the music on this podcast has, as ever, been "Requiem for a Fish" by the Freak Fandango Orchestra, and this has been the Brexit Breakdown Podcast from the UK to Changing Europe, supported by King's College London and funded and supported by the Economic and Social Research Council. I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, come back in a couple of weeks for another episode. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>